astronomy, we perceive the operation of a force which is mixed up with everything that exists in the heavens or on earth, which pervades every atom, rules the motions of animate and inanimate beings, and is as sensible in the descent of a raindrop as in the periods of the moon. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England, Matthew Russell and Chris Carney. Oh yeah, baby! Mary Somerville. Oh, what a what a lassie! Oh wow! Yeah, do you know what? I didn't know much about Mary Somerville, but I noticed that she passed away on the 29th of November, eighteen seventy-two, at the age of ninety-one, whilst in Naples. Yes, well, she was both Scottish and Italian. Mm. She's a great combination, I think. Yeah, I mean, she's a Scot who moved to Italy because, obviously, I guess she became a bit of a celebrity. Yeah. Like, like when you read about her, it's like, hang on a second, how can we don't know more about this person? But I've mm. got a feeling the Scots do because if you've got you if you got your Scottish ten pound note, which yeah, just for just for people in England who own a shop. Yes, you can accept a Scottish £10 note. <laughs> it's so it's how the only often... time you ever use the term legal tender. It's yeah, it's like anyone ever says that. <laughs> but how many times have I been in a queue where someone goes, I've got to check if we can take this? It's like, yes, you can take it. It even says sterling on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, there's the clue. But anyway, so yeah. for, for, for I'm sorry about that for the American listeners who've got no idea what I'm talking about. There's often, we, we've got different currency around the UK and, and it's very annoying, isn't it, that I find? Well, yes. I, it annoys me, but I, I don't know. If obviously, that's just a thing. But yes, but I a- think it also, they, they, I mean, I had a, some Scottish 20s the other day and they, I like them more. Mm, they are good currency. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, they do look pretty well. I mean... I have to say, having Mary Somerville, and when you hear about her, you go, no way. What total, mm. what a total legend. So she is my space legend of the week. Week, 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 week. week, week. week. So yeah, 1872, um, uh, Mary Somerville died in, in, in yeah. Naples at 91, but she was born 26th of December, so her birthday's coming around. Obviously, <laughs> born Boxing on Boxing Day. Day, yeah, seventeen eighty. Born so Mary. She, she was always Fairfax. like she. She always got a birthday present. It was like this is your Christmas present as well as your birthday present. Yeah, so she's probably you know a little bit, bit rubbish in in that in that regard. Um, yeah. In her obituary, when she died, it said this. Whatever difficulty we might experience in the middle of the nineteenth century in choosing. A king of science, there could be no question whatsoever as to the queen of science. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And of course, there's Somerville College, which is um, at uni- Oxford University, named after. I her. thought that was named after Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, for his, for his very high voice. <laughs> we do love a bit of Jimmy Somerville. I do like though. a bit of Jimmy Somerville. He's got a funny yeah. little face, hasn't he? I always used to enjoy watching him sort of do that kind of squirmy dance he did. But <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Um, 
she's the daughter of Vice Admiral Sir William George Fairfax. But he wasn't actually Vice Admiral when she was born. She actually grew up in, in reasonable poverty, by the way. Even oh. though her mother comes from very distinguished Scottish heritage, the naval yeah. salary, of course, was quite was quite low. So yeah. uh, you know, so she grew up in pretty poor, pretty poor. Um, but she um, collected seashells and things like that. Always fascinated by nature. Hmm. Uh, but they sent uh, her father. Thought this is no life for a girl, and and kept sending her to very posh schools where she would learn stuff. Uh, and uh, she liked to do stuff, read. She liked to read a lot of books. And get this, back in the day, reading was considered a sort of man-like thing to do and was frowned upon when women did it. (laughs) (laughs) So so we have moved forward. We we have moved forward. But she had had an uncle that used to reassure her. He sort of said, look, ancient women of classical times, they, they... they were great scholars, you know, there's nothing to stop you from being, you know, a great scholar. You know, women used to do it. It's just because just they don't do it these days doesn't mean they didn't used to do it. Yeah, I mean, what was what was this? This was just, it, it's pre-Victorian as well. And that Victorian times is when a lot of that sort of conservatism seemed to come in. But no, obviously around yeah, this time, it's, pre, it's still yeah. sort of... I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's it's lasted probably a few thousand years at that point, that kind of injustice. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, and talking of injustice, she, at a very young age, she was she was very politically motivated young woman. So, you know, so she, she fought, she, she was very much part of that liberal movement of the day. So, mm. you know, so her and her brother used to refuse to have tea, uh, used to have, refuse to have sugar in their tea as a protest against the institution of slavery, which, of course, you know, wow. Tate and Lyle with their, with their massive plantations abroad, all yeah. mainly run by slaves. Yeah, they, they, you know, so that's very progressive, isn't it? You know, they were... Certainly so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She never quite became a Republican, so she was always a bit, you know, loyal to the royal kind of setup. Um, yeah, well, I mean... So am I until, until until the Queen goes, and then I think we should get her. Get we should do yeah. away with it then. Yeah, do you know what? I'm exactly the same. I feel like I I, I can't be a Republican until the Queen <laughs> until the Queen dies because no. she's been so good. Um, I feel like she'd be really disappointed in us. <laughs> yeah, I do. I but I just I just I don't know how I'd feel about Prince Charles. I'm sorry at any listeners who are Prince Charles fans. I'm not quite sure I mm. want him to be my king. You know what I mean? I think it'd be so ironic as well, though, if they went, you know, London Bridge happens and, uh, you know, Charlie's rubbing his hands together and we go, uh, we're doing away with this now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but they've waited so long. <laughs> yeah, sorry to any royalists, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, mean, I try not to be political, but I, could, I just couldn't no. help myself. Um, I, <laughs> she, she, do you know, she, she, she learned to dance. She played piano. She learned Greek. She learned social etiquette. She's one of these people that, you know, devouring a bit like, a bit like Matthias Mara, you know, one of these mm. lifelong learners who just does a everything. polymath, a polymath, absolute polymath. And, um, she, she would get up early in the morning to play piano. Then she would paint during the day and then she would study Euclid and algebra in the evenings. Um, and with her first hum- husband, Samuel Grieg, she learned French. And he was the commissioner of the Russian Navy. 
uh, uh, but he possessed in the f- he possessed in full the prejudice against learned women, which was common at the time. So right. he wasn't very progressive himself. But he died, and she inherited a bunch of money that allowed her to to pursue her intellectual studies. Which <laughs> she had the last laugh there. Yeah, then. she she did, which was. Which was, you know, she got books by Newton, of course. Newton was very, very popular at the time. And she was reading Ferguson and Wallace and all those sort of things. And she used to apply herself to these mathematical problems that appeared in journals. And she would sign it off as someone called A Lady, which I thought, oh. yeah. <laughs> so that was her name That's on these great. things. That's great. And because, because she was able to speak French, she could get into the work of Laplace. And she started applying that to sort of uh, all, all that stuff about gravity post-Newton. And so she was right on it with Poisson and Lagrange as well. Yeah. Uh, and the, I think this is really interesting. She pointed out that this massive reverence for Isaac Newton was holding back British science. Uh, and right. you know, because we were kind of obsessed with that, that Newton was, oh my God, Newton was the best and his calculus was the best. And everyone was just saying, obviously, this is the way to do it. Mm. But she sort of looked at that and said, look, in Europe, they're starting to edge ahead of us because they're looking at work by Lacroix and people like this who were, who were you know, making calculus better. And, yeah. and, and, but we were too obsessed with Newton. But luckily, Babbage and Herschel went on to sort of translate the works of La Croix and, and actually bring it back into the fold, which actually did spur that, that renaissance of British science again in that little mm. dip after Newton. <laughs> so you, you would have, well, in fact, I'll tell you what, part of that is, is again, Somerville, she, she, um, she moved to Chelsea and taught Ada Lovelace. Now, anyone who doesn't mm. know who Ada Lovelace is, she is regarded as, you know, the start of the computer, the first person to really talk about computer programming. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so she, uh, and obviously, um, uh, Mary was helping her, teaching her how to, to do maths. She remained close friends while, her, while Ada Lovelace and Babbage were inventing the computer. And all the time, mm. she was hanging out with people like Turner... <laughs> Yeah, so cool, isn't it? I mean, imagine being Super around at that cool. time with all these absolutely amazing people. Yeah. Um, and because of her, because of her sort of previous work, people turned to her and said, "Look, this work by uh, Laplace, the Mécanique Céleste, uh, the me- mechanisms of the heavens." They mm. turned around to her and said, "Can you translate that?" And she kind of did, but she actually translated it and expanded on it. And the work that she brought out in 1831, the Mechanism of the Heavens basically made her very famous because it was one of these books that just sold and sold and sold. Um, but and it then, just comes from so much hard work, you know what I mean? She's just like, I mean, it doesn't like there's not, not enough hours in the day for this woman. <laughs> well, I know. And, and oh, by the way, she is bringing up children as well at the same time. Yeah. From both of yeah. her marriages, she's got, she's got children that she's bringing up. A lot of them, of course, died in infancy. So she's got the horror of that going on as well. Right. And she's and she's able to do all this stuff, and and one of her husbands has died, so she's bringing up a ch- child on her own while while you know really plowing into this work. So Incredible. yeah, absolutely awesome. Uh, she she wrote a second book. Uh, she wrote a second book called "The Connection of the Physical Sciences," 
and that sold 15,000 copies. And it mentions in the book this hypothetical planet that's perturbing Uranus, amongst other people. It's not really her prediction, but she's certainly mentioning the prediction that uh, Neptune is going to be discovered in the next four or five years. So that, you know, that's part of that um, that run. <laughs> and this book is the most successful science book of its era, only beaten by which book do you think beats it? <laughs> and this is a big uh, This is a big one. <laughs> so the only book that is going to beat that, oh, God, uh, on, on the origin of species? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Charles Darwin's The Origin of Species, yeah. I mean, which, of course... <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a clanger. Well, it's an absolute banger, isn't it, that one? So yes, yeah, that's, yeah. the, that's the only science book that's actually bigger than that one. And then she goes complete, you know, she goes really into this, you know, popularising science. So she's a, she's a bit of a sort of Brian Cox. Cause she writes yeah, yeah, one, of, her, of her day, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so she writes the physical geography book, which is all about, you know, she, she believes that geography is this really broad science about, you know, it's it's all about the geography of the earth and vegetables and humans and all that kind of stuff. I've always thought that at school when you're taught geography, how a ridiculous a broader science it is or broader mm. subject. But yeah, it's it, it's it kind of comes from that era, and her book is very much like that. And that was an absolute worldwide smash. And there's even a, a, a you know a chapter about the future of the human race and things like that in there. Yeah. So you know, well, it's very progressive. Yeah, so to be that that sort of mixture of uh, of 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 quite you know uh, complex science and math, but also being a great communicator as well is a rarity. Oh yeah, you know, I'd... yeah, but, absolutely. But she had some regrets about it. So by the time she'd written her fourth book, Molecular and Microscopic Science, which was in beautifully illustrated. In fact, I cannot believe how good some of the illustrations are in that book. You, you have hmm. to see them. They're like mind-blowingly modern-looking. Right. But yeah, apparently cost the cost the publisher an absolute fortune. But she she kind of regretted that she'd devoted too much of her time to popularizing science instead of concentrating on maths and oh. Um, and she she thought to herself, you know, if she devoted more time to maths at the time, she might have written something more useful as this mm-hmm. new new era had begun in, begun in science. So she she feels like she's part of this historical renaissance of scientific knowledge, but she feels mm. maybe she could have played a bigger part. But to be honest, I mean, like she's come apt- on, yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I was like, talk about an overachiever. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Four years before she died in nineteen in eighteen sixty eight, she was the first person to sign John Stuart Mill's uh, petition for female suffrage as well. So she's absolutely progressive as hell. <laughs> yeah, that is one hell of a space legend of the week, I must say. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favourite space legends of the week because yeah. that that is clearly someone that's just loved every single second of their life and 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 has mm. made this enormous contribution as a result. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. What a woman. Mary Somerville. Mary we Somerville. salute Space Legend of the Week. Big time. Right. Um, we, we should probably go into a little bit of space news. Um, space news! A bit of space news. So talking of women, there was mm. uh, the first Chinese 
woman spacewalk last uh, recently. Cool. Well, at the beginning of the month. Yeah. Uh, Wang okay. Yeping became the first Chinese woman to walk in space after a six-hour stint out in space with her mission commander, Zhai Jingfang, I believe. Mm-hmm. Zhai Jifang on the Shenzhou 13 mission to the Tiangong Space Station, which, of course, means Heavenly Palace, as we've mentioned quite a lot of times. Amazing. How yeah. ace the Chinese names are for their space They're the stuff. best. They're the best, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, this is interesting because there was clues it was about to happen because they sent a third space suit up uh, yeah. to the space station. It's like, oh, that's a bit of an odd thing to do because, as you know, space suits are insanely expensive and mm-hmm. they're, they're a little bit bespoke and there's not many of them. I mean, like, I can't believe that, that silly fact that since the 70s there's only been 12 you know uh, <laughs> 12 space suits built and they're sort of all knocking about and they're kind of you know that yeah. that you know the amount of times they get used and used and used and used again since they've been made uh, but yeah, yeah the, the chinese built this third well sent up this third space suit and everyone went ah i bet that means that wang ye ping who's also china's second woman in space yeah. uh, is going to do a spacewalk so yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool stuff at the beginning of the month. And what was she doing? Was she doing a little bit of tinkering on the on the space station, just uh, tightening a few bolts, tightening a few bolts, Fantastic. getting getting it ready for other bits to arrive. I would imagine, you know. Sure. Yeah. So you know, getting the Changong up and running um, mm. to to expand it because there's other bits that are going up later on. Uh, it, you have to refer back to our Changong special to um, to hear mm. about that. One of our space station specials. Um, in over in Russia, in space news. Another, yes. I, well, I guess really this is about the ISS. But Russia have launched the Prechal nodal module, which was used to be called the Uzlovoy module. Oh, uh, yeah. Now that's why the have they m- changed that. <laughs> they changed it because it's no longer going to do what they th- proposed to do in the first place. Right. So so it was it was going to be this OPSEC, Orbital Piloted Assembly and Experimental Complex. And what was right. going to happen was they were going to construct it as part of the ISS and then they were going to detach from the ISS and then it was going to be its own space station the OPSEC, but that was scrapped in 2017. And it, it, right. was, it was supposed to be like a deep space um, launching pad, you know, to go off to Mars and the moon and things like that. Cool. Um, uh, but it was supposed to be constructed in orbit, mostly while it was still attached to the ISS, but that's been scrapped. So the, the prequel module actually fits on that uh, on the norca the, the, you know the norca that is the module that arrived and almost destroyed the iss by yeah. spinning it accidentally by firing its rocket engines and stuff um, yeah yeah remember that <laughs> so that that sort of almost dangles underneath the iss and then this this new module attaches underneath that and what it's got it's got six docking ports on it so you can actually because it's now sort of quite a long way from the ISS, it's sort of dangling down, you can actually attach uh, quite a few spacecraft to it, you know, visiting spacecraft to that uh, module. Um, and it supports things like refueling of the ISS and, and refueling of the vehicles that are actually attached 
to the module as well. Hmm. Which is which is pretty cool. It's actually a really important piece of the Russian kind of element of the ISS. You know, it's 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 a pretty pretty important thing. Uh, yeah. That so the spacewalk. There's going to be a spacewalk in January to kind of plumb that all up to the Norca properly uh, yeah. and to get it all working, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, that's a that's for the Russians. I think that is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, and it, and so it's it is still going to live on beyond the ISS. Yes, so yes, yeah. it will it will remain on the ISS, but it will be where Soyuz and Progress spacecraft now dock. Uh, yeah, to to allow you know <clears throat> to allow people on. There's there's something wrong with the docking port they've got at the moment because there's a leak. It's actually far from ideal. What they what they've <laughs> yeah. got there at the moment because it's actually a little bit unsafe because one of the Russian craft that's docked to that one is a life raft, and right. and it's it's aging, and so th- this actually I think makes that situation slightly slightly safer for one yeah yeah um, definitely it's got this weird thing on there called the Lyapa arm now the Lyapa arm was something they used on the Mir space station to hold. Uh, sections together, and it yeah. and it look and it looks like a, a paw of a Siberian bear, and mm. uh, and Russian for paw is lapa. So this lyapa arm is a kind of corruption of that word for paw oh. in Russian. And what's interesting, you know, I said that Shangong space station was going to have new parts arriving soon, and that's what that's what your your female uh, Taikonaut is it a Taikonaut was out there doing. Yeah, uh, it, that's because the Wenjian and Mengxian modules are going to be arriving, and they also will be sort of held place by these Layapa arms, these these Russian bear claws. Dick, paws. That's so cool. Yeah, it's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, speaking of leaks, <laughs> what have you got up next? <laughs> yeah, speaking of leaks. <laughs> <laughs> in the Russian, in the Russian part of the uh, no. Speaking of leaks, yes, I thought this was quite funny, and, I'd, and it's something I'd not really thought about too deeply before. Although hmm. I'm sure it's been covered quite a lot. Um, I noticed an article in the Daily Star, I think it was something awful like that, and uh, yeah. Mike, Mas- Mike Massimino had been talking to Gizmodo yeah. about about farting in space. <laughs> or, or breaking wind or flatulence or however you wanted to, to call it which yes, i think yes. and but he was basically it gives a whole new meaning to the phrase silent but deadly because they literally can be they literally can be yeah but but, mm. but he, so basically he was explaining how if you tr- if you trump yes that's right trump mm. is is the english for farting yeah, <laughs> or, or, or it's an American, or it's American for president. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got a Johnson. <laughs> Which, Typical. Yeah. yeah, absolutely outrageous. Farts hang around uh, because they. This is a funny thing. So farts, they they don't dissipate because there's no airflow on the International Space Station, and yeah. gravi- gravi- there's no gravity working on it. So you don't get this kind of convection currents or anything. So. There's just no movement of air. So if you fart, it just hangs around forever. <laughs> There's nothing to dissipate. <laughs> but, it's great. But, so, but to make it matters worse, right, obvi- they're normally smellier and worse because 
gravity again isn't helping your digestive system so right. often the astronauts get a little sort of blocked up which obviously mm. helps helps that kind of gaseous build up make makes it even worse yeah and then it turned out in the apollo era they they realized that the the, the space food that they were making was actually worse than sort of bland food as well it, that um basically all mammals produce uh hydrogen and methane <laughs> yeah. basically the, the your intest intestinal bacteria that they, they yeah. make those two gases hydrogen and methane now they are incredibly dangerous in an enclosed space as in they are yeah. both they are both explosive so yeah. you you are actually creating a very dangerous situation if you have too much fart in your enclosed capsule. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and and not only that because they they're so smelly you can actually have astronauts for, falling out with one another as well. You know they, yeah. they actually they 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 actually start hating each other. Because mm, if someone's got a particularly bad bad guffs and you can't mm. get away from them i mean that's the worst thing isn't it like you know oh. you can't just open a window but the, the 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 other thing is that you know like apollo i don't think i've ever really thought about the apollo poo sort of scenario oh yeah well well that was even grosser because they had bits yeah. of poo floating around in the capsule with them yeah often it was like, I don't remember doing that one. It can't be wrong. It's the wrong shape and all that sort of stuff. And that's on the transcripts. It's like, oh, God, that's gross. Just go, yeah. I, that wasn't me. I didn't have the corn. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Oh, oh yeah. It's just Sunday. That, it's Sunday evening as well. It might be Monday for you guys. Monday morning. You don't need to wear this, do you? Oh, man. So <laughs> how, many, how many times do you think you fart on average? A day, yeah, a day. Well, if Not you think a... about my brother Neil, uh, he's like <laughs> in the triple figures, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's it's twenty. Apparent... No, it's a little bit low. The average person farts between five and fifteen times a day. Right, I've just revealed myself there, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, you're a bit wi- you're a bit windy, Chris. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you think that might be a? Is that a Scouse diet thing? Is there? Just, it might be. Yeah, just eating Scouse all the time. Yeah. Yeah, Scouse <laughs> probably, probably does. <laughs> so yeah, so, so five of those a day. For however many people on the space station, mm. you know, it's it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? It it, it is, and, and of course there are. There's sort of three factors that um, affect your the amount that you fart as well and how dangerous those farts are in terms of their ability to be ticking time bombs is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the amount of fermentable substrate. So, you know, right. things like baked beans and pulses are particularly bad. <laughs> mm. For, so, mm. so it's probably best not to put down, you know, lentils as part of your space diet. Yeah. Uh, also, the type of uh, you know microflora that you actually have in your colon, and also your kind of psychic and somatic well-being at the time as well. So, you know how you're feeling. You know, yeah. Oft- often, if you're a little bit scared, you fart a little bit more, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> yeah, you can you can actually literally get 
you know, a little loosening of the bowel area if you're scared, mm. if you're if you're t- f- afraid. You know, you can literally. I mean, people could literally shit themselves in fear. Excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the worst thing is, as the spacecraft, if the pressure is reduced, so if you don't, it, it actually makes the volumes of flatulence bigger. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Is it Billy Connolly says about as welcome as a fart in a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's about as welcome as a fart on an enclosed capsule in space. Yeah. Terrible, yeah. <laughs> and then you now, just put here that you cannot you cannot use farts to propel yourself during a spacewalk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because oh, it just goes strange. into your suit. I mean, it'd be good if there was like a sort of one-way valve so that you could yeah. you know, literally propel yourself around and that'd be how you could it's like go outside and have a little spacewalk yeah <laughs> just, just get rid of it get rid of it so yeah what the, and, and the main thing is if you feel one brewing the astronauts go and sort of go to the the space loo where they've got yeah. where they've got a bit more ventilation and so yeah. they that that's where they go they, they they go to fart in the space loo so you might not even be going for a number two just to you know, mm. get rid of a bit of bit of wind. That's the yeah. Just being a late, you know, you you're not just being courteous here. You could be saving a life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why did the ISS blow up? Uh, it's because Tim Peake had been aiming too many lentils. <laughs> oh, that was great. That's one of my favourite space news bits ever. That. <laughs> oh yes. So here's here's something really interesting, and we I'll talk, to quickly talk about Hubble before we get on to James Webb. But yeah. get this. Um, the, NASA decided to introduce this double-blind review system to yeah. reduce the bias of people choosing proposals for time on the Hubble telescope. So mm. if you think about it, the Hubble telescope obviously is this limited resource. There's only one of them. So you have to apply to use it to make observations. So obviously when yeah. it is making an observation, you better have a good reason for why you're observing you know mm. it's got to be it's mm. got to be maximizing the science for this absolutely astronomically expensive piece of equipment so yeah. you, you apply and hopefully you get a bit of time on the uh, on the hubble now what they've done what nasa did they realized that like people would may have been chosen for the wrong reasons you know so they were they were hoping that it would reduce bias against gender and things like yeah. that but also against things like scientists who worked for smaller research institutions. Yeah. But what but what it's actually done as well, this double-blind system of, of not knowing who's applying for the research, is that it, it lots of first-time, more, way more first-time observers are being given time on the space, on the Hubble Space Telescope. So you've got a lot great. more, yeah. Which you've got a lot of young, yeah, younger people who've who've never used it before, getting mm. to use it because they've got these really interesting ideas. So I thought that was that was really really interesting. So you know that's it's, that it's, is it's, fab. I really really like that. I mean, especially because it's also helping the, you know, the equal opportunity side of things. But yeah, just getting young people, young younger people a voice is fantastic. Great yeah. Idea. So yeah, fifteen percent. In 2018, was were proposals from applicants who'd never been observed, hadn't done observations before, and that rose to 32 percent in 2021. Yeah. So, like a third of those proposals were coming from people who'd never used it before. So, 10 percent were graduate students in 2020, which is 
pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. And all the agency's space telescopes have followed suit and have this double-blind review system to choose who, who gets uh, time on the telescope, which I thought was very très interestant. Now, I Hub- think so too. <laughs> now, did you see also that Hubble's replacement <laughs> was mm. delayed? So, uh, oh, so yes, James Webb. Luckily, it's not, it's not, it's not bad. So, in the in the room in French Guiana uh, at uh, the European Kourou spaceport, um, that's where Webb is at the moment, and they were putting it on the Ariane rocket adapter. Yeah, when when a clamp or something basically sprung open some oh some, no yeah and it sent a vibration through the space telescope through the james webb space telescope now this thing oh. is obviously this thing's obviously designed to <laughs> to cope with an ariane 5 launch in other words being sh- shaken around incredibly a lot yeah fair I mean, enough yeah you know one of the thing one of the things it had to do to pass its test which it actually failed first time round was to be put on a vibration and vibrated at high frequency for absolutely ages and it failed that test and they made it stronger and it's passed that test so yeah it's it's it is very good at surviving vibrations but nasa didn't want to take any risks <laughs> unsurprisingly <laughs> uh, I, I think um uh, thomas zaburchin who's like the director of science at nasa he said when you work when you work on a 10 billion dollar telescope conservatism is the order of the day <laughs> yes <laughs> so they were t- they're being very very cautious and yeah. uh, they've they've gone tested everything a lot of those a lot of the um sensors that would have been able to test it have been taken off before launch but so they had to retest a few things um but they've tested it and it's pushed the launch back four days so it's oh, now that's go- not bad at all. No, no. So it's it's no longer the eighteenth of December. It is now Wednesday, December the twenty second. Is now the earliest it will launch. But that is an absolute humdinger to end the year on, isn't it? The launch of the James Webb Space Unreal. Telescope. It's been so long coming. I'm so excited about it. And you know, I just thought when I was reading, I was like, oh God, you know what? What what happened? <laughs> you know, it's like someone's walked past it and nudged it or something and going, oh, sorry, we'll have to start again. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, mean, I should imagine there must have been a few kind of, oh, my God, did you yeah. hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I saw the whole, yeah. I saw the whole thing move. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, we probably better tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which probably yeah. Remember that first Hubble launch? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Let's try and avoid that. I mean, this is. I mean, it just gets more and more stressful, doesn't it? Now, it, it, yeah. interestingly, I didn't realise that there was the IXPE telescope launching soon as well. 9th of December. Yeah. This is NASA and the Italian Space Agency have this X-ray pol- polarimetry explorer. Cool. Uh, the IXPE, which which is designed to measure the polarization of cosmic x-rays it looks very cool this telescope that is launching that's launching as well in december so that's 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 very cool i might i might have to do a a special on that do a deep dive into it because it looks a very very cool telescope that's obviously having a little bit of its thunder stolen by its very 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 big brother Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. the james the james webb 
James Webb, of course. But I can't wait to see that up there. That's going to be fab. Uh, we've 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 also seen this uh, this week the the launch of uh, the Dart mission, the double asteroid yeah. redirection test. So that's that's um, spacecrafts going to Didymus, and is going mm. to and and it and it's going to basically see if it can impact its small asteroid satellite Dimorphos, right? And see if it, and see if it can redirect it. <laughs> See what so happens. it's just like to to like re, to, not to redirect the asteroid. Hang on, what? Yeah, what? What's it doing? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's the double asteroid redirection. So it's flying over to Didymus, and then it's going to impact its its uh, little the little satellite Dimorphos that's going around. Oh, Didymus. I see. Right. And okay. It's gonna see, and, see, and it's going to see what happens. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, can, can, know, could we stop a potential global? Killer. Yeah. Like type, type thing. What happens if they accidentally knock it and then it starts flying towards Earth? It's going to be a complete Aye, Just as they're about to launch James Webb. Oh, oh crap. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it There'll be a few uh, loose bowels with fear then, won't there? Uh, uh, what, what I'm <laughs> dreading is that a Starlink satellite or something like that is going to crash into James Webb just as it's going through low Earth orbit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we had uh, a, 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 all, all up on a... And everyone was in their emergency pods a couple of weeks ago, weren't they? Um, oh. The oh, silly God, Russians yeah. blowing something up. <laughs> oh God, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of debris up there. I believe yeah. the Russian, the Russians have sent up some, or are sending up a um, a military uh, satellite that's going to be looking at space debris. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Chinese have got uh, this week. Have got uh, series series one, which is a small. Which is a small private uh, three-stage solid solid rocket, a bit like okay. I get uh, the Ariane Vega yeah. rocket. It's a bit similar to that, except it's a private Chinese thing. They, they've already flown once successfully, making them the second private company to do so, which is pretty hmm. pretty cool. Um, but they're yeah they're delivering a little Earth shuttle, so it's a little satellite that does some experiments in space and then comes back down. Uh, so oh. that's that's a nice little that's a cute little launch. Uh, nice. You've got Soyuz launching a couple of Galileo satellites. You know the good yeah. old system that the UK have managed to lock ourselves out of thanks to Brexit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and we've also got uh, Virgin uh, Virgin Orbit launching a Launcher One that's carrying a British satellite, Steamsat Two. Yep. No, which is which is obviously you know runs on steam. <laughs> it's using <laughs> using our uh, <laughs> heritage of railways. <laughs> Thought we'd uh, stop uh, taking coal off the ground. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that that should be exciting as well. Watching a, a Virgin orbit launch on the second December as well. So stuff. quite a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? But yeah, uh, busy, yeah, busy times up there. Busy times. Busy times. Well, we, we had a good excuse to talk about Mary Somerville. Long overdue, yeah. I think. So oh, absolutely. Uh, Chris, what are you doing? Anything special this this week? I'm gonna go to Norway. I'm gonna go and see my wife. Ah yes. <laughs> I'm gonna go visit my wife in the other country that she currently lives in. Yeah. Yeah, that, so, yeah. <laughs> how about you? Uh I shall be doing lots of sh- I'm doing lots of shows this week. I'm, I'm I've got little graduation events. I've got 
Um, I've got Winter Live, which is my college's like big show. So I'm I'm a very oh, yeah. busy, I'm very busy, very busy indeed. But it should be lots of Ooh. fun. We'll take and... take some time out to look up at the stars and just oh, you know. Oh, yeah, do you know what? It's enjoy good. your time. The stars have been really, really good, and of course, you know, Jupiter's still up there to have a good old peak peak at as well. So, in, yeah. get your telescope out and impress your friends with with showing them Jupiter because there's nothing quite like it. And Saturn's up there as well, not quite as bright as Jupiter at the moment. But yeah, just just get out there, get out. Yeah, there I remember you showed me in, the, in your garden and servicing, and we 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 locked onto Jupiter, and that was absolutely wonderful to see. Yeah, a few years ago cool. now, that. Yeah. Yeah, it is a few years ago, isn't it? Um, well, that's it. Shall we let the podcasts go? Yeah, let them go. Time let them go. Let my people go. Bye, Spodcats. Bye, Spodcats. Bye, Spodcats. Bye, Spodcats.